Very few companies are actually hitting their revenue targets. That's a big problem. Buyer behavior isn't the same, and the old sales funnel is no longer relevant. So Square2 Marketing is smashing the funnel and encouraging businesses to think differently about their approach to marketing, sales, customer service, and revenue generation. Join us for season one of Smash the Funnel, the podcast. With our amazing lineup of industry experts, we'll introduce you to the new cyclonic buyer journey, and we'll provide insights and tips on how to optimize your business's approach to sales and marketing. And now for your host, Mike Lieberman, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist at Square2 Marketing. Hey everybody, this is Mike Lieberman, CEO of Square2 Marketing, Chief Revenue Scientist here. And I'm thrilled to welcome you to episode one of season one, Smash the Funnel, the podcast. And today's episode is titled, Why the Heck the World Needs Another Podcast and Why Your Revenue Isn't Going Up and cyclonic buyer journey. And the first thing I have to answer for everyone who's listening is, why another podcast? Why now? There's so many podcasts and so much information out there. And what I thought I would uh, introduce you guys to is some stats as to maybe what's going on in the world and, and why maybe listening to a podcast about revenue generation and a new buyer journey model is even something you're interested in. So I did a little looking around and I found that salesforce.com and serious decisions and HubSpot all reported that between 50% and 75% of companies are missing their sales goals. It's literally an epidemic. There's just no way for companies to achieve some of the revenue objectives they have for themselves. Um, McKinsey research revealed that the customer journey is not a rigid linear uh, a journey as depicted with the sales funnel, but rather a circular journey. It's a network of touch points, decisions, and opportunities that are either appropriated or uh, uh, accepted or rejected by the buyer. Um, I also found some Nielsen data that shows that the amount of data, amount of content that people are consuming is going up by about two hours a day just in the last three years. So how people buy, how they make decisions, where they get their information, it's literally exploded and the methodology, tools, and techniques that we use as marketers and salespeople hasn't really changed that much in the last couple of years. So we're here to kind of introduce you to some new thinking around how to go about doing this a little bit differently. Clearly, something's broken. The way we as business leaders go to market uh, and drive revenue, we have to really look at doing it a little bit differently. And at Square Two, we've always wanted to be thought leaders and provide leadership, strategic thinking, and new ideas have always been part of our brand and we want to offer that up to clients and prospects and partners and interested parties in the form of this podcast. We've been waiting for a long time to do some type of podcast content and we really didn't want to just do another kind of standalone podcast where every couple of days or every week we talk about a separate uh, topic. What we really wanted to do was something remarkable and wanted to do something in a, a Netflix style where we give you 10 episodes of thematic content all designed around the season one concept of uh, smash the funnel and the cyclonic buyer journey. And uh, we're gonna allow you to get all that content all at once and then uh, binge through that if you're so inclined and, and share that. And then you'll have kind of all of this in context of the bigger journey. So in this first episode, we wanted to introduce you to what we're gonna talk about throughout the rest of the season, specifically the cyclonic buyer journey. And to get started with me today, is co-author author of uh, Smash the Funnel, the book, 
which is coming out in September. It's also co-founder of Square Two Marketing and uh, my business partner here, Eric Kalis. Welcome to uh, Smash the Funnel, the podcast. I am very, very excited to share. Thank you. Thank you. So um, obviously the main reason companies are missing their revenue goals is because they haven't really aligned their sales and their marketing and their customer service execution to the way people buy, right? Our new cyclonic buyer journey model shows it's much more complex. There's a lot more stages. There's a lot of outside influences impacting them as they cycle through their decision-making process. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about why we created the model, why we think using it is going to help our clients execute marketing sales and customer service, and why was this important to Square Two to share this idea with everybody? Well, I think that the one common thread that you'll find running through all of our clients and prospects and people that attend our educational sessions across the board just don't get results. And they get a little results here and a little results there, but overall, uh, like you said earlier in your statistics, very few companies are actually hitting their revenue targets. That's a big problem because if you want to have a healthy, successful business, you've got to hit those revenue targets so that you have the cash flow to reinvest in the company and take care of your team members and do the little extra things that clients and, and customers require. So we started doing a lot of research as to this question as to why, why people don't hit their revenue numbers. And the answer is, is that they don't specifically take the time to think about their strategy before they implement the tactics. As you correctly identified, most people jump to the tactics. They're doing a lot of stuff. They're advertising online, they're creating white papers, they're working on their website and trying to do search engine optimization, but without this common understanding of why that buyer's journey has to be met. And if you think about yourself, you know, a lot of the listeners out there, if you think about the last thing you bought, man, it was hard. There were so many different uh, uh, influences in your buying decision. Your friends were telling you one thing. You were reading different things online. User reviews brought you to a new idea. And at the end of the day, you were so freaked out, you didn't know what to do. Well, understanding that, people that are doing marketing have to match up their marketing to kind of clear away all this noise and confusion and help people get right to the best choice. And I think that's the reason that we took the time to write a book and are sharing this methodology because we've uncovered that when you match up a great marketing program with the buyer's journey, all of a sudden lots of good things start to happen. People raise their hand and say they're interested. People get into your database and want to hear more and give you permission to market to them. They come to you in the traditional inbound marketing scenario and say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about buying your products or services. And everything just seems to work a lot better. So, you know, to be completely transparent, we just want to help people like think differently about how they should approach their sales and marketing strategically. And then if they simply match up what they're doing to the buyer's journey, they get better results. It's as simple as that. Wonderful. Uh, there are a lot of buyer journey models out there. This isn't exactly a new, a new concept, but a lot of them are linear and, and this one is circular. So uh, can you talk to us a little bit about why you decided to make it circular as opposed to linear? Well, circular and, you know, whether it's linear, circular, triangular, uh, in the shape of a rhombus, the, the challenge is, is that what is the buyer going through? And when you think about a cyclone, crazy stuff whipping around in circles at high speeds, you can't grab onto anything. You're flying away uh, from the, the forces of the wind. It's so hard to get control. 
And that's how people feel when they're buying something. Now, I'm not talking about buying a, you know, a pack of gum for a dollar, but I'm talking about buying some software for $100,000 for your company. That's a big decision. And if you have this cyclonic influence around you, it's tough to make the right call. Choose the right product, choose the right partner to deal with. That's where, when you understand the circular motion, how things are just whipping around. So we use the cyclone as a very simple illustration of how things are whipping around all these buyers, influences, their brother-in-law is selling them something, they're reading something online, and they just don't know how to get to the right answer. There's also an element of transparency in, in everyone's businesses today, too. It's no longer how good are you at sales and marketing, it's also how good are you at taking care of your clients, right? So the, the idea that the, your job isn't done after someone says yes and signs their agreement, that your job is really just getting started and that experience you give them as customers is just as remarkable. That will basically fuel the cycle to spin faster. If more of your customers are talking about how great you are, obviously that's the best marketing that there is. Wouldn't you agree? I would definitely agree. And, and your, your point is valid because when you ask a, and I've talked to thousands of prospective clients being that I'm in business development. And when you ask them the simple question of what is your average engagement size? Or in other words, what will a good client spend with you? 99.9% .9 of people will classify that as the first sale. I rarely hear someone say, well, the lifetime value of a customer is $800,000 over five years. If you thought about it that way, it would be obvious that nothing ends after the first sale. It's really this experience that you're putting them through for perhaps years to come. Now, when you think that way, instead of a $100,000 initial sale versus an $800,000 lifetime value, well, now maybe you're willing to spend a little bit more time, energy, and resources on some of your marketing because you want that $800,000 revenue stream, not simply the first sale. And that's why your comment is so right. After the deal is done, you're just getting started. How do we cross-sell and upsell and get those referrals and buzz in the industry? Because you're doing something different than anybody else is doing. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about the uh, cyclonic buyer journey. So this is a podcast. It's a little challenging. We're talking about a visual representation. So we did create a, a web page that you guys can go to. It's www.square2marketing.com backslash cyclonic buyer journey. And that's where you can actually see the visual that we're talking about. But we're going to attempt to go through and, and, and share the, the different stages with you at a high level today so you can get some understanding around it. So um, we obviously want to start with this concept of the of marketing sales and service. So we have this outer ring that is spinning. This is kind of illustrating what Eric and I have been talking about and that it's just as important to have really great experiential marketing. It's just as important to give them an amazing experience in, when they're in the sales process. And then you have to continue that uh, when they become customers and make sure that their customer experience is just as remarkable. And that is really how you're going to turn advocate, uh, you're going to turn customers into advocates. And you're, we're going to hear that phrase a lot over the next uh, couple of uh, episodes and throughout the entire season, how we activate our customers to be advocates is, is a big part of driving revenue. So the very first stage that we have in our model is called pre-awareness. So you don't see this in many buyer journeys. Most buyer journeys start with kind of a track and this concept that everybody you want to do business with is going to be actively looking for you. And we're not sure that's really the case. So Eric, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about what this interesting pre-awareness stage is and how that fits in from a marketing perspective. Yeah, it was an interesting uh, conversation that we had about naming this stage because it could be a variety of things. 
But typically what happens in pre-awareness is, is that we're so busy with our day-to-day -day lives, we're so busy at work doing the things that we're doing just to get stuff done. We're not thinking about better ways or different ways or even pains or problems that might be happening. So in the pre-awareness stage, the goal of the marketer is to simply introduce ideas about uh, process improvement, cost savings, and all those things that you might have considered on the periphery, but didn't really think about hard that you don't have that problem today. Your hair is not on fire today. So a great way to start at the even before the top of the traditional funnel is to start introducing yourself, your concept, your products and services to people that might not be actively looking for you. That's that pre-awareness stage that we're talking about. Now, some of the tools like demand generation tools and account-based marketing are really uh, interesting tactics that uh, could be engaged in this stage to kind of introduce yourself to people. And a very simple example might be, what if you decided that your uh, target market were CFOs and you ran a pay-per-click campaign on LinkedIn with a little piece of content introducing to a concept or something new that's coming down the pike that someone who's so busy might not have thought about or, or, or understood but here it is on LinkedIn, a piece of content that they could download that would kind of poke at that emotion that maybe I do have to look into this or maybe this is a problem that might occur in my business. So that's where getting the ball started a little bit earlier rather than um, traditional inbound marketing where you're waiting for people that have a problem to find you. Let's be a little bit more aggressive and introduce ourselves to folks that don't know they have a problem or don't know about our company product or services. Yeah, that's a great uh, explanation and a lot of the prospects we talk to almost always tell us, well, I know who my prospects are. And in those cases where they you know, want to target hospitals or they want to target specific kinds of businesses in specific areas, uh, it's, it's relatively uh, easy for us to put together uh, campaigns that target people that they already know could be good fits for them. Um, so that, that pre-awareness stage is one that we spend a little extra time talking to our clients and prospects about because it does offer some interesting opportunities. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, what uh, commonly people make mistakes in this area is, is that the offer they'll make in the pre-awareness stage is a bottom of the funnel offer. Hey, let's talk today, let's have a quote. When that's so far from the way you should be doing it, because if you once again stand in the shoes of your prospect, they're far from ready to buy, but they might be interested in learning a little bit. And jumping into that, what can I sell you today, is a big mistake that a lot of people make. So once again, let me help you, let me help you, let me help you, as opposed to let me sell you something, should be your posture in the pre-awareness stage. Great, that's really good advice. So at stage one, pre-awareness, I'm gonna go through a couple of these stages a little more quickly. Obviously, upcoming episodes in the podcast are gonna drill into these stages in a lot more detail. But awareness, which is the second stage, it really defines most people who are uh, familiar with what you're doing, but perhaps not necessarily interested in or, or not actively engaged in a search yet. So they might be aware that your company exists and that there's products and services that service them, but they haven't made this, the decision as a buyer or as an organization yet to actively start a buying cycle around this. So they're aware, they're, they're, they're on the lookout for this kind of content, but they're not really active, they're not proactive in that search, they're a little more reactive is how we like to describe it. The third stage, which is education, is really that transition from being reactive to proactive. Now that I've decided this is something that's important to me, I'm going to start educating myself, I'm going to go looking for articles and videos and information and podcasts that will help me make a smart, safe purchase decision. The big difference there is, is they are now active in that search for education and active in 
wanting to make uh, a really safe purchase decision for their company. Yeah, it's a really good point. I, you know, while we're revealing our age a little bit, I remember back in the Y2K days. Remember that? Sure. 2000 was coming and everybody was freaking out. And it was a great example of as you got closer and closer and closer to that event, how people started jumping from cycle to cycle because they knew something was coming at the end. Now, that was a interesting scenario because we had a hard deadline that we had to meet. Other people you know, uh, do I really have to buy this software today? Maybe, maybe not. And that's where we have to continue down the cycle or cyclone. Yeah, cool. Um, and then there's consideration. So consideration is they've actually made a decision to do something, right? So they're done educating themselves. They've decided they're going to take action. They just don't know what it is yet. You know, and in our case, they might be thinking about bringing someone in-house to hire a marketing director, or maybe they're going to hire a marketing agency, but they're going to do something, right? They're done getting educated about how their marketing or their sales isn't quite working right, and they're going to be making a decision, but they're still considering their options. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in an upcoming episode. Um, and then once they've kind of rationalized that a little bit, they get to evaluation. And when it's down to evaluation, they've pretty much narrowed their choices to a, ha a small handful of options. And they're going to really dig in and, and start to understand the differences between those three options. Again, to use us as an example, uh, when people decide that they're going to go with an agency, then they basically narrow it down to three or four agencies and they start evaluating those agencies to see who they want to work with. So the same thing would be in your business. If you're a manufacturer, they may have a, narrowed it down to three potential manufacturers for this particular product and now they're going to get to know them a little bit better. So Eric, I wanted you to talk a little bit about how the buyer journey has changed from the perspective of the amount of people involved on the buyer side right? Like a lot of data is now showing that the amount of people involved in the buying decision is going up pretty dramatically. I think McKenzie's latest published says like almost seven people in an organization are somehow participating in the buyer journey. So this seems like an extra complication to what we've been talking about. You're not only managing one person's buying decision, but now maybe five, six, or seven people. So how, did, how does that impact what we've been talking about today? Well, it just makes it more complicated, right? Because if back in the old days, you had one, maybe two people making a decision on a purchase. Okay, let's talk to those two people. And what happens is it becomes an essence of factorial. You remember back in high school, one times two times three times four, things go up quickly exponentially. So what happens here is that if you're talking to 6.8 people at a company to buy your $250,000 software package, holy smokes. Uh, you have uh, different worldviews, you have different mindsets, you have different motivations. It's really, really going to be a challenge simply because you have to address each person in the buying group pains and problems. And let's be honest, if you're talking to the purchasing department and simultaneously talking to the business manager and the CFO at a company about your software package you're trying to sell, each one of them has their own, uh, let's call it agenda that they're trying to fulfill. Purchasing once is as cheap as possible with the right paperwork. The CFO wants to slash expenses and labor costs with this software. And the business manager wants to upgrade their whole department because they've been working on a DOS-based system for the last 12 years. So once again, how you approach that has to be very strategic because you have a lot of people involved. Don't even go into things like disk profile and stuff like that, but you have to be very elegant with a deft touch on how you're telling your story, what content you're providing, what meetings you're taking them to that'll gather those people and get consensus that your company is the obvious choice to do business with. So in your example, if you have three people, you really need to manage three distinct buyer journeys and have 
content for each of those people distributed in a different way and different touch points and maybe even different sales processes depending on who you're, who you're working with and who you're talking to. You definitely do. And here's the crux of the podcast series. Change. You know, just having one white paper and calling it a day is just not enough today. There's this cyclone, as we've been talking about, and now the cyclone is three people involved in the cyclone. So the question is, what content stories, offers do I have to give to those three people? Is that a pain in the butt to do? Absolutely. But if you want to get the results you're looking for, this is where you have to change your thinking about how you go to market. Yeah, and you also mentioned this earlier, but the strategy piece of it really helps with that also, right? Let's think through in advance who our different buyers are, and let's really understand what their different pain points are, and let's craft an individual experience for those so that they get their issues addressed when they need them addressed proactively. If you don't, if you just jump to tactics, there's literally physically no way you can deliver those kinds of experiences. Sure. So, you know, we like to use the tic-tac-toe board, right? So that has nine boxes in a typical tic-tac-toe board. Let's say the ultimate decision maker is in the middle. All around them are the other people that are influencing this decision. Understanding that before you go to market, you got to flesh out the content stories and buyer's journey for each one of those nine boxes so that you're prepared to take each one through that uh, uh, experience. Too often we find clients that are just using the same approach for everybody, and that's why they're not getting the results that you're looking for. You know, when you ask a typical company, what's your close rate? Sometimes they don't uh, even have a handle on their close rate. But the people that are tracking it, typically it's in the 10 to 25% range. And that's a sin because you work so hard to attract people and then you don't close those deals. We feel that a good B2B close rate would be around 50%. Well, in order to get to that 50% level, you have to talk to these nine people in nine boxes in the language and the way that they want to hear it so that you can assuage their pains and problems as quickly as possible. That's where people fall down. And that's where understanding the cyclonic buyer's journey helps you do that extra work necessary to get those good results. That's really good advice. So, after evaluation, we created this rationalization stage. And again, because people are so inundated with information and understanding how people buy, they make emotional, their purchase decisions emotionally first and then rationalize them second. I'm sure a lot of you guys who are listening have had this experience. Your prospect says, yes, you're hired. And then you could literally have another month of dealing with the contract and dealing with procurement and dealing with payment terms and dealing with legal and getting a PO from the company. So it's almost as if the, the win is not when they say, yes, you're hired, the win, the, the buyer's journey continues into this rationalization stage. And if you don't have the right paperwork and the right proposal and the right set of contact points uh, in this stage as well, you could actually end up losing the deal. So until that paperwork is signed, you know, you're really not yet talking about a, a new customer. So we wanted to spend a little time talking about what can be done during that rationalization stage to make things a little bit easier. Ultimately, you then get to that decision, they sign your paperwork, you're off and running, the gongs go off, the bells ring, there's much celebration to be had when you get your new customer, and then you have to uh, elegantly manage that handoff to customer service, and that takes us into the delivery stage where we talked a little bit about this earlier, you have to have just as remarkable delivery about what you do as you did sales and marketing or else you'll have customers who are unhappy, customers who are canceling, customers who are not advocates for your business, they're not writing reviews, they're not writing references, and your entire exercise is going to be so much more complicated. Eric? I remember, I don't know if you do, in the one of our book meetings when we were writing the book, we talked about this concept of infinite 
delivery, mm -hmm. right? And how just because you deliver the software, to use my same example as a thread running through our conversation, it's not enough. You have to constantly be delivering, not delivering the product, but delivering the experience, the service, the good feelings, the remarkables, the free prize inside, all of those little things that turn a customer into a champion or a cheerleader. Now they're out there on LinkedIn user groups and they're at conferences talking about how amazing you are, which not only leads to referrals, but obviously the advocacy that we all want uh, to turn our, our customers into those advocates. Yeah, and when we get to that uh, episode, we're gonna talk a lot about advocacy. It's really big. You know, you wanna find out about a business. You don't really check references anymore. You just go online and Google them and you can see what people are saying about them. Now, like a restaurant, every company might have a couple of bad reviews, but you're looking for companies that have a lot of good reviews uh, in order to help you make a really good purchase decision. So. Eric, before I wrap up, I have one more question. And I've, I've been getting this from some of the other people we've been talking to about the cyclonic buyer journey in our Smash the Funnel book that's coming out. How does this apply to B2C? Like, is this just a B2B concept or is this something that you can apply to B2C businesses or an e-commerce business? Like, how does this buyer journey model apply to maybe like a less traditional B2B sale? Or does it? Well, look, uh, people buy right? And they go through this journey. Now, everybody is in a cyclonic buyer's journey. But if I go to the grocery store and I'm looking to buy a carton of milk and 12 eggs, I don't really need a white paper and a video to tell me about that. But that doesn't mean that my experience is going to be different. The strategy about how I would set up that experience would be different. What is my signage? What is the parking like? What are the people saying to me in the store? Are there enough people giving me information? You remember the Home Depot scenario where their first thing when they opened was that they were gonna find experienced carpenters and plumbers to staff their stores. And then over time, when they became public and, you know, uh, price pressures, well, then they just had any old Joe from the neighborhood who didn't know anything and the experience was much less. So it's still just as critical to look at B2C the same way you look at B2B, but your strategy about how you would take people through the cycle, the length of the buying journey, the amount of the ticket average that someone will be spending all impact your design of that buyer's journey. You know, when you're talking about B2B, and obviously, you know, more of the marketing we do as B2B is because it fits three basic criteria, large ticket average, complex sale, and long sales cycle. When you have those three things, these stages become very evident and very clear cut. But if you're going in and you're buying a new sweater for $69, that cyclonic buyer's journey gets condensed to five minutes or less. And the tactics that we use in order to affect that sale, like planograms, in-store signage, and so forth, are just a different set of strategies to encourage that same journey. But don't get me wrong, when someone's standing there deciding should they get the black sweater or should they get the blue sweater, it's just as frustrating as should I buy this software or that software. Sure, and people the, have to recognize that. It's the evaluation stage, mm -hmm. right? They're trying to make that decision right right then and there. Don't even talk about their right. friend standing next to me and says, right. oh, I don't know if that's right. you. Once again, confusion, noise, 700 cable channels, the internet, social media. It's a tough place to be in a buyer right. situation. So this is really more about how human beings make purchase decisions. So whether it's buying a sweater or a stick of gum or a $200,000 piece of software, it's really the same process. It just might get condensed. Some of those cycles might happen instantly. Like if I'm buying a 99 cent uh, pack of gum, you know, I might do consideration, evaluation, rationalization in a in a in a nanosecond and pick the gum that you know um, the the wrapper attracts me, or maybe I've had that gum before. But they're still going through that same process. 100, percent and that's why we wrote the book because people don't stop and consider 
standing in the shoes of their prospect to make their buyer's journey. They just use commonly used tactics or what everybody else is using. And I think that that's really critical. When you're talking about putting together a buyer's journey that's going to get the results that you're looking for to grow your business, you have to spend a lot of time standing in the shoes of the prospects. And I think that that's one of the key takeaways from our series that we're putting together that it's not about you and your 35,000 square foot facility and the fact that your family owned and operated and you've been around 23 years. It's about understanding what your prospects' pains and problems are, what they're going through, and giving them what they need to feel safe enough to send you that purchase order at the end of the day. That's the crux of what people need to do. Great. That's great. Thank you so much for joining us on this introduction to the Cyclonic Buyer Journey and Smash the Funnel, the podcast. So we kind of covered a lot in 30 minutes. Um, let me quickly uh, explain to everybody what we're going to do in the rest of the season and the rest of the episodes. I'll remind you, too, that if you want to take a look at a visual of the Cyclonic Buyer Journey, you can do it at uh, uh, square2marketing.com backslash cyclonic buyer journey so you can see and we've actually animated it a little bit for you there so you can see how the cyclones and the move and the prospects get thrown around depending on how chaotic it might be uh, the next episode of smash the fun of the podcast we're going to talk about the pre-awareness stage you know what the heck is pre-awareness and we're super lucky to have sangram vajre the co-founder of terminus and founder and host of flip my funnel the podcast so uh, his company really specializes in account-based marketing and software for account-based marketing. So we're going to have an awesome conversation with him about the pre-awareness stage and what you can do to go after, proactively go after your prospects. I want to encourage everybody to stay tuned for all 10 episodes. We have some amazing guests planned, like Matt Hines from uh, Hines Marketing, Dave Gerhardt, the VP of Marketing at Drift, Matt Sunshine, the CEO of uh, G2 Leads and the Center for Sales Strategy, uh, Michael Farsetti, who's the Chief Research Officer at G2 Crowd. We also have uh, Jean Bliss, who wrote the book Customer Bliss. She's going to help us with the delivery uh, stage of this. Uh, and we're, our goal is to create some really compelling content for you guys over the next, uh, next couple of episodes. So stay tuned. Thank you all for listening. This is Mike Lieberman, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist at Square2Marketing. And I'm going to sign off with Let's Go Smash Your Funnel. <laughs>